Are you ready, Jen? Yep. All right. Hi, and welcome to the Right Sweats Podcast, your podcast for fan fiction, friend fiction, and fun fiction. My name is Leah, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-hosts, Jen and Jesse. Hi. Hola. So we are climbing the March Mountains of Madness for week two. Jesse, remind us what it is that we are undertaking oh, this yes. month. Oh, yes. We are using a very scientific method to determine what, and this is a foolproof method, to figure out what the definitively best book-to-movie adaptation is in existence ever. We are, through science, through vigor, through technical, talking about, through internet polls, through everything, we're trying to figure out, through big data, through little data, we're trying to determine what the best book-to-movie adaptation is this for March. Wait, are we doing the best, or are we doing the yes. wor- the sweatiest? The absolute best. Oh, number one, the goat. It's also the sweatiest. It's a twofer, a two-in-one. Oh. Nice. It's going to be Shrek. Which one will... <laughs> Which one will ascend to the Right Sweats Hall of Fame, the first entry into the Right Sweats Hall of Fame? <laughs> Jennifer thinks Shrek. So for our listeners, the internet I got seems to... to think Shrek as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Shrek. So for our listeners that participated in their own predictions, we're going to give you guys a quick little shout out um, of who's so far topping the uh, bracket challenge, who's winning in their bracket picks. So right now in first place, we have former uh, guest Jenny with her fly like a Smeagol. Jenny, not Jen, yeah. Second place, there is a two-way tie between Jen's own personal predictions and former guest Jen. So it's uh, oh. Jen v. Jen for second place at the moment. Who's in last place? Can you tell? Who's in last place? Should we um, really put them on front street here? Yeah, we're going to put them on blast. It's your dad, Jesse. That's because he didn't fill it all out, right? Correct. <laughs> it's an incomplete. That's not a fail. Nope. <laughs> if you don't complete the work, you don't pass the class. Story of my high school career. <laughs> anyway, so we, <laughs> now that I've shared too much information, are we ready to dig into week two? Week two. So Let's do it. Pause for theme. Pause for theme. So, with yeah, the- I think it's a little longer. It should be done now. Okay. <laughs> I'm waiting you. for the extended edition to finish. No, it's a- oh, okay. I'd like to thank Future for being featured on that theme song. Cool. Because we know if you listen to these episodes. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, we're have- we have another 16 matchups this week. The big thing about this is each of us was able to save one movie from each of our genre categories for to get a bye week, to come in on the second round and basically get a free pass into the tournament. No, I'm going to question. I have a quick question. And so every all the word nerds can close their ears. Is this the thing that happens in sports? Yes. Tournaments? Yes. How do you decide? Is that a team that you know is just going to dominate or a team that you know is like... Or is it totally random? No, it's usually a team that has that is ranked highly in regular season play. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So it's like when you are in a race and you you do time trials to see who's on the inside track, that yes. sort of thing? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. You get a slight advantage for doing so well leading up to the tournament. Oh, okay. Cool. Okay. Word nerds can come back. Yeah. Back to, to Sporto talk. Um, so we've each gotten to save one. We'll disclose when we do these matches who saved what because we had a fourth 
sweater who was uh who got to pick and that was also former guest my father <laughs> who appeared briefly on the podcast so we'll talk about his picks as well for the old fart choices first up last week in the surprise upset where harry <laughs> potter lost we have 2001 a space odyssey versus the hunger games now i think had harry potter gone forward i wouldn't have known exactly where to go with this i know i like 2001 a lot more but there's also that handicap of comparing one movie to eight movies right the hunger games is four movies no i know but if harry potter had oh, one yeah it'd be versus those eight movies those movies are three hours a piece so that's you know 27 hours of content compared to the 26 hours that the one 2001 movie is like, mm-hmm. it's like a five-hour movie Oh, God. Was it only a five-hour movie? <laughs> so it's a little different now with Hunger Games. And I, I, I'm, I, would, I would assume that 2001 would sweep, but I learned last week that I can't guess these things. Well, I think we all learned that we can't guess these things. So, I Jen, mean, what do you think? Have you seen 2001? I have never seen that. I read the Wikipedia article, so I'm an expert. Did okay, you watch so some tell YouTube us, videos? Tell us, tell us what the Wikipedia article says in a general sense. Let me fucking open it up again. <laughs> I'm happy I didn't try to do my Hal characters on this episode. Sorry, Jen. But I can't let it you It was do very that. long and said a lot of people's names that I didn't know, so apologies. That's funny because, yeah, the explanation for that movie is long, but truly, what happens in that movie? There's some monkeys. Yeah. There's a very, very, very long scene of a spaceman going to a different spaceship. Uh-huh. Well, and the and computer see... how sounds oh. familiar to me, right? Like when I read that. And so I think I may have seen yeah. this at one point in my life, but I just don't That's pretty it. ubiquitous in like pop culture too for mm-hmm. a long time. Yeah. Howl is something that if you didn't see the movie, you've seen on a commercial yeah. or referenced Malcolm in some in other middle. movie. It, it's perforated pop culture even past the movie itself. Can I share my, my Howl jokes I was thinking about doing that I'm not going to do? Yeah. Yeah. There was... Uh, Gal, question mark. I'm not sure what that was. I think that was supposed to be Gal Gadot as Hal. How does that sound? Uh, I couldn't figure it out. I wanted to, because I, I don't like how she has, like, murdered, like, Palestinian kids. So it was going to be something about that, but I didn't know how to do it right. So I just decided not to do it. Which then led me to my next one I didn't do, which I said, I have circled around. Um, can I? And then I answered nope, which was T'Challa. T'Challa. So it would be, like, Black Panther, but Hal. Which I don't know what that joke would be either, but... And then I was like, oh, what about Mal, like from Firefly? But instead of Mal, it was Mall, like going to the mall. So it was going to be the character Mal from Firefly as the robot Hal, but only talked about the mall. I don't know enough about Mal, though, to figure out how to talk about the mall in his voice. But I do have this one line. I'm afraid I can't do that, but I can get some pretzels from the pretzel place. <laughs> Also, something, something, Mrs. Fields, and then Daisy, Daisy, in the tone. Uh, no, sorry. Daisy, Daisy, but instead of Daisy, Daisy, it's Foot Locker, Foot Locker. As far as I got. So my vote's for 2001. <laughs> I like that movie. We just saw, I just saw it in IMAX, which is really the way to see it. Uh, and it's it's really impressive. It's really impressive in its um, 
that it doesn't do a lot, but it does everything. Like it's pretty bare bones, but like Jen said, the Wikipedia page is gigantic and it's kind of what you have to do. Yeah. Honestly, all I got out of it was that it was like a man versus machine story and that it was like, you know, complex, but really it just can be boiled down to that. Yeah. My, my book goes to 2001 as well, but mostly because there are so many pieces to still like pull out of it. It's almost more like a piece of performance art than it is, you know, a big, you know, blockbuster movie. Yeah. Even though it is also a big blockbuster movie. I think there's going to be more to chew on that. Yeah. Even as we go into the future than the Hunger Games. But I want to not discount the Hunger Games because I think if we were to revisit those, I think some of it doesn't work quite right, especially if you're not like in the theater and enjoying it as this brand new thing that just came out with an audience. But there is some stuff going on in there that I think is okay. And some of the action scenes are fine. It's some of it, if you don't overthink it, I think it, there is something lasting to those movies. Obviously, it's not the same. They're two different things. Yeah. I don't think there is anything lasting to those movies or to the story. I think that both of them, like both the movie and the book, borrowed so heavily from everything else that the things it borrowed from will last. But The Hunger Games itself, you know, we'll forget about after a while. I mean, I don't know about any of that, to be quite honest. I have a, I have a bad sense for that kind of thing. But I will say, I mean, 2001 already won because of your two votes. I was just going to say, I don't know and let you guys duke it out. So, you know, I'm glad that it's already decided. But I will say that I think that it sounded, from the Wikipedia article, sounded like it deserves the win, even though I appreciate what the Hunger Games did, especially adapting a book. Like, I think, again, it was just, it worked better as a film than it did it as a book because it was dealing with the effect of media yeah, because it's that's a that's not a great book. No, it's I not. I think the movies might be a little bit better than the book. So there is a I definitely that think side. that yeah. it's a better movie than a book, and that's a rare thing to experience. So I would say yeah. not so much anymore. I think a lot of the um, I think a lot of these like YA like adventure like battle books. I think trans they're written to translate to the screen, yeah. even yeah. if that's not the the yeah. purpose. They look better than they read. Yeah, so the original yes. almost like def- becomes the de facto like junior novelization. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm good with 2001 winning, though. Even though I respect what The Hunger Games did as a film, um, 2001 sounds like... I think the man versus machine thing is um, just as a concept, even just as like a core kernel of a story, something I really like. So I'm going with that. Yeah. Things and 2001 was, I believe, my dad's pick. Um, it's also was where they faked the moon landing, right? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that all checks out. Mm-hmm. All right, what's next then? Okay, are you ready for it? I'm ready. Are you ready? All right, coming out of its sweep <laughs> against the Polar Express, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory versus Pride and Prejudice. Pride and Prejudice, Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> this is the focus film, the the Keira Knightley one from 2005. 10 years ago or so. Keira Knightley's <laughs> amazing film. <laughs> and I wish it was the. I wish Colin Firth was in this one. That's my only like big holdup. I end up forgetting like which ones he's in and which ones he isn't in. I always think he's in Angley's Sense of Sensibility, just because that's such a good movie. I'm like Colin Firth has to be in it. Right? Yeah, except that he, he's not, and it's Alan Rickman. <laughs> yeah, I know, and yeah, that's pretty good though. Still, yeah, as much there's a big like nostalgia factor for Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory for me, but I'm with Jen. Pride and Prejudice. Yeah, when I was in university in film class, I literally wrote an essay about why Joe Wright, the director, is like an artist and like blah blah. I was so fucking ridiculous. Joe, what was one other thing that he did? 
Uh, that's a fucking good question. <laughs> I thought this was the. I thought this was the right sweats. Um. <laughs> I'm gonna go fucking look at what Joe. Uh, you know what he did? Things I'm embarrassed to say he did. So let's move on. <laughs> oh, he did the darkest hour, which was terrible. He did. Wow. And oh, Karina, which was also not good. But he did atonement. I liked atonement. Kara Knightley also, right? Mm-hmm. He's married to. Uh, he did Pan. Oh, that's married to Nora Jones. Wait. Oh, wait, no, he's not. No, he's married to Nora Jones's sister. So he's Ravi Shankar's son-in-law. Oh. Because Ravi Shankar had like a lot of names 25 kids. Yeah. So everyone's kind of related to Ravi Shankar. So just to like talk about Pride and Prejudice as a film, like just to explain why I would choose that. Um, it's because the film was fucking beautiful and made that boring ass book, which I love the book. <laughs> It made the book come to life in a way that was, like, very relatable for 2005. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I think that's, like, what adaption should do. And that's why there keeps there keeps being adaptations. Um, I keep saying adaptions, but anyway. Adaptations throughout time. You know, they keep, they keep doing new ones over and over and rebooting things. And, you know, it can be exhausting. But it's nice to feel your time reflected in a story from so long ago. And I think Pride and Prejudice 2005 did that well for a story that takes place in the Regency era. Like, that's kind of hard to pull off. And so, honestly, props. I like Yeah, I liked it a lot, too. Uh, I think I like it less as I get older, but I also haven't seen any other versions that I like more, except for Angley's Sense and Sensibility, which is also not the same thing. Right. So I, I'll have to go with that one, too. I think maybe I'm just too scared of uh, Willy Wonka at this point. Um, Joe Wright did um, did Hannah, the Saoirse Ronan oh, and Eric Bana yeah. one. That's, okay. a real, that's a good movie. That one's good. I like You're that right. movie. Mm-hmm. I will say, though, as fun as Pride and Prejudice can be, it is one of those movies that I limp into every time. That you what? Limp into every time. Why is that? Just I think I agree with you. That's why I'm, I'm asking you why. There is a stereotype about girls that study Jane Austen, which is not always true. And I know it's not always true. But the idea of Mr. Darcy being put on this pedestal of manliness and romantic interest and all of that stuff, just every time I'm going into a Pride and Prejudice adaptation, I'm always ready to just be like, fuck that guy. This sucks. I'm out. Well, on top of that, too, like Lizzie Bennet, some that's right. That's the protagonist, right? In this mm-hmm. one, sometimes I feel like she becomes also like the 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 mascot for people who are naturally introverted, and instead of going like I'm introverted, which means that I interact with people a little bit differently, so I have to adjust a little bit, and they have to adjust a little bit, and we'll have to meet in the middle. And that's hard to do. Mm-hmm. It also she sometimes becomes like. That example of like like how introverts are so much smarter than everyone because they're like shy or I think you're onto something with that because her and her sister Mary are kind of framed as like almost superior within the story and like her sisters who are more playful and flirtatious are not necessarily mm-hmm. villainized but portrayed as just like foolish. Yeah. And as unintelligent, it, yeah. as lazy, as you know Introverts like to do a lot of like for less of a better word, like go like I'm not like other girls when it's like, you know, there's no such thing as other girls. It's you're just you're different from other girls. people. Like, yeah, we're all yeah. we're all the other girls. You know, right. like Yeah. <laughs> and I, I and I say that because I think this adaptation of Pride and Prejudice, not that it made me swoon over Mr. Darcy or really cheer for 
Elizabeth Bennett, but I think that they did a much better job of humanizing them. And I think that gets lost in a lot of adaptations and it gets lost in a lot of people's analysis of Pride and Prejudice. Yeah. I agree. Mm -hmm. So, sorry. uh, Willy Wonka. Willy Wonka. Willy Wonka. Also, to be honest, I I feel bad, but comparing like a story for children against an adult story. All right. So then we're going to jump right into the next one if we're going to unfairly place stories for children against adult stories. We're going to go with Grapes of Wrath versus Shrek. Oh, wait, wait, hold on. Who who picked Pride and Prejudice? And Shrek is a gen pick, I believe. No, uh, Shrek is... Uh, Shrek dominated A Fault in Our Stars last week. Oh, you're right. I have that in front of me. I'm the actual keeper of these records, so I should know that. And you are the, the, the choice... I am the choice keeper! And you chose Grapes of Wrath. I did. I so, like that movie, and I think it it needs some championing sometimes because it's so like old, for lack of a better word. You know, Henry Fonda is stuffy, and he's hard to deal with now, especially now since On Golden Pond, where it's like he's just was crotchety his whole career, and then ended crotchety, and then. Uh, but he's really good in that movie. And it's one of those things that also, when you look at how the movie was made, it was started production before the book came out. Because they thought the book was going to be such a big hit. And it's one of the few times in English classes where you were able to study something that was a hit when it first came out. Uh-huh. And teachers don't, don't, don't avoid that. They go, this never happens. You know, um, Great Gatsby never did that. No. Catcher in the Rye didn't do that. You know, hardly do you read something that was a hit in its moment. Mm-hmm. And so this book was starting to be made before the... The movie was started to be made before the book. And so that's why it almost... Because the end is different too. Um, mm-hmm. I think I believe it ends when Tom Joe leaves the migrant camp. Uh-huh. So you have none of the flood stuff. You have none of the Rosa Sharon nursing the the dying man back to health. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's its own thing, but it's also like a complete piece. And so I think that's a fun movie. And it's they use light really strangely in a way to kind of like you know show off the dust. And I I, I always think it's a really impressive movie. So I have not seen Grapes of Wrath. I've been kind of dragging my feet this week. I'm preparing, <laughs> um, which is an understatement, I know. But And I know what Jen is going to pick. So <laughs> I'm going to make you fight me or fight each other over this one for my vote because I'm going to have to be the tiebreaker. And I've seen one movie and I haven't seen the other. Well, so, I don't know what Jen's going to do, but I'm not going to fight because if it was something that wasn't Shrek, I think I might may have fought with you but they're so different and one is such a inarguable success that i don't have to go well you've got to give it a chance in the right uh, situation i keep joking about shrek but like in all honesty um i'm kind of just playing that up like because it's fucking funny to me but grapes of wrath is a good movie i just wouldn't pick it because i guess i just feel that the that's that's, that's a shitty thing to say but the book is better, so um, I don't. I just don't like the movie, so I don't want to pick it. Um, and that's like the actual truth, not just because it's against Shrek. So hers, hers is not a vote for Shrek. Hers is a vote against Grapes of Wrath. What is your vote then? I go Grapes of Wrath. I think it's it's a it's interesting that it was made when it was made, but then uh, like like I'm saying, I have to give all this context of you know the studio system in the '40s. That stuff is kind of cool, like your context yeah. for that. I honestly didn't know that, so that's pretty pretty cool. See, and the way you, the way you talk about it that way, and I can I can appreciate a well done movie as much as the next person, but at a certain extent, 
I don't want to have to go in and deal with some of that baggage. Yeah, that makes well, sense. And um, Shrek is, it is like a piece, it's like a meme, it's like a joke among our peers and stuff, but like in actuality, Shrek is like an iconic child's film that like really withstood time so far anyway. But, probably but, Leah, but... How many songs about Shrek has Bruce Springsteen written? Damn it. Um, think of the Shrek soundtrack, though. Okay. No. He hit me right where it counts. Where's the ghost of Donkey? There is no ghost of Donkey. (laughs) Oh, no. If y'all kill Shrek right now, we might have some beef. I think, but I think Shrek should go on. Jesse, you're voting for Grapes of Wrath, but you don't want it to really win. That's Not fun. really, no. I just want everyone to know that I'm, I have these really advanced tastes. And things. <laughs> okay, well, um, I'm gonna so I'm gonna vote for Shrek then, so that Jesse doesn't have to feel bad and change his vote. Whoa, right. Shrek win! Whoa, All right, Jesse, you're really smart and artistic. <laughs> yeah, I just I don't understand how we can. Oh, Jen is gonna have a real Sophie's choice next week. Oh, Shrek versus. <laughs> Right yeah, I actually already dealt with that in my prediction. It was rough. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, then, moving along, Blade Runner versus the Iron Giant. We keep putting the Iron Giant up against other, like, stalwart sci-fi movies. Stalwart sci-fi movies? Dude well, is not Dune. stalwart. Well, there's not so many, like, sci-fi movies on the list, and it keeps going up against, like, the one only. No, there's also... Last week was Minority Report and Ready Player One. That's true. Blade Runner was whose choice? I think it was mine. Yes. Yes. So with this, I kind of have to say that it, as as sweet as the Iron Giant is, there's no contest. It's Blade Runner. That's what oh. I say too. Yeah. Wow. Well, I guess I lost that one because I was going to say the Iron Giant. Nothing has ever made me cry so fucking much. So. Well, yeah. In that case, yes. If that's what I was basing my vote off of, but the mileage I have gotten from Blade Runner. Just something in my heart about Iron Giant, like I, uh-huh. it really affected me as a child. Like it stuck with me. So, but I lost this round, guys. Isn't the Iron Giant written by? Yeah, it's Ted Hughes. It's um Sylvia Plath's shitty husband wrote those books. Yeah, Wait, are you fucking serious, Jennifer? Jennifer? Wow. Yeah. Oh, guess I yeah. Have to now, what, my ma- what makes card? you cry more? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck! Oh my god! Yeah. Well, then. <laughs> um the film was so good though my heart oh. yeah it is a good movie it it's, it's fun to go back to and to to rewatch a lot all right you want to move on to the next one let me introduce it this time <clears throat> lord of the rings versus minority report this is another one where like everyone knows how i'm gonna pick and i'm not gonna even so should we set some ground rules and i want to set them now and not just say maybe what are we talking about are we because this very easily can become we mean theatrical and extended. So when extended I talk about Minority Report, I talk about yeah, we talk about the the TV TBS adaptation. No, um, when I t- so when I talk about Lord of the Rings, and we can scale it back if we need to, the extended edition that were released on DVD. They- but we're not talking the Hobbits. No, I'm not talking. Absolutely about Absolutely not. I don't know. That's why. That's why I assume. And not, I'm not but- referring to the animated Lord of the Rings either. I like those a lot. Yeah, I think uh, I'm just going to say my vote here. It's kind of obvious, I think, uh, for me. Lord of the Rings, yeah, it's just something that you can always go back to and just feel so amazed. Like whenever something for me that tells me Lord of the Rings matters so much in our cultural context is that when I'm at work and we're looking out the window at our like, at Mount Rainier or whatever, like mountains, we're always like, wow, that looks like Lord of the Rings. How beautiful. <laughs> and that's our frame of reference for beautiful. 
So Lord of the Rings win. Do you have an argument against it? I want to be contrary, but I don't know if I can pull that off with Minority Report. I think if there was a stronger thing there, I could go with it. But I think sometimes the I think sometimes the forest gets lost in the trees a little bit with Lord of the Rings in that it is <laughs> in that the trees are talking and yeah, moving around. That too. <laughs> Good one, Leah. <laughs> <laughs> But in that, it is a highly capable movie in every way. It's a fully realized vision, and it comes out of the gate hot. Everything is working. All the actors are working. All the score, the the product, the production design, the, everything is working just fine. So it's hard to argue those. But I think sometimes it gets un, it un, unfairly starts bulldozing things, where people just go, "It's just good. Can't you tell? It's perfect. It's all good all the way through." And I'm like. It's it's fine, but it, I don't know. I got to work on this a little bit more. I guess there's I, always I room for that. improvement, but like I guess what it this is the watch that's my fantasy standard. If I were to have an epic fantasy standard for a film, okay, so that's exactly what that. it is. It's it's a fantasy standard. So it's yes, you know what other show people like because they think it looks good all the time because the actors are good and everything else is good is Game of Thrones. You know, it's not a good show, Game of Thrones, but Whoa. we all assume it is just because it. It tells us it is. Well, dumb people go, it is, and then well, we all go, it must be. Um, I guess I'll be the dumb person here, dude. Game of Thrones is good. I mean, that said, not every episode, not every season is strong or well written or always good, and there are gratuitous scenes that are honestly just fucking annoying and wasteful. I mean, it's like when it's good. when we talk it about is. when we talk about you know a good superhero movie. Good should be in quotes because these are not real movies. Still, you know, oh God, I will bite you in a dirt lot. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> like yeah, it's it's the world's tallest little person. You know, it's, it's cool. Yeah, because they're hobbits. They're not little people. <laughs> That's kind of the end joke. Yeah. Uh, so here, here's the thing about Lord of the Rings, and it's it is hard to vocalize a lot of these things because it is something I feel so passionately about if you know the people that know me from when I was way young know that this was the thing that I, I lived and breathed tried to speak try you know all all of it. it it was very much my my biggest obsession when I was younger looking at it as an adult I think there are elements in Lord of the Rings as the movie ignoring the book for a second there are elements of Lord of the Rings as the movie that are only standard sci-fi and not standard sci-fi standard fantasy you know with quotations around it because now that is that is the benchmark that we judge everything against and we're not just judging other fantasy movies against it we're judging things like game of thrones game of thrones doesn't exist without no, something yeah. like lord of the rings it really raised the bar it's on like star what, wars almost or it's hard to imagine what things looked like before that right so it raised the bar on taking fantasy as a film genre seriously. It raised the bar on the kinds of stories you could tell with fantasy. This just what this wasn't just a you know storm the dungeon, defeat the dragon, and go home like The Hobbit. <laughs> but that's a kids' book. <laughs> yeah, um, there's a but it, there's it, a it, barrel race inside The Hobbit. Yeah, there is. <laughs> um, but it, it really elevated the kinds of stories we were telling. It elevated, and sadly, the the team that made it went the other way. It elevated the kinds of things you could do with practical effects. Mm-hmm. Again, in a world where we were starting yeah, to go, I feel like we learned the long wrong lesson from that because I think they furthered practical and digital. But 
way to use them seamlessly, like together. And instead, people are like, oh, we just have Andy Circus play everybody now, right? Right. As opposed to being like, no, you still have to do the shit. I, 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 so I guess what I should have said earlier is I'm 100% on board with Lord of the Rings 100% of the way. I'm, I'm trying to interrogate in myself where it, it falls apart because I think I'm so quick to go. Perfect. It's untouchable. It's fine. And I think there's space there. It's like the only blockbuster like sequence that like Sam Jackson's not in, isn't it? Yeah. Because yeah, he's in Jurassic Park. Yeah. He's, yeah. So he's that's pretty much the only one. Uh, I think we'll have more of the Rings talk. And I and I think I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you guys. I'm just trying to be contrary just to be able to maybe explore a little bit more because I think the the smart money goes it's going to sweep and you know what it. It maybe should, but I don't want to roll over and go. It's good because we all agree it's good. I want to. I want to try to push against it, and a lot of those things aren't going to work. I think right. you're right, Jesse. Anything that's this, um, like influential within our culture should be interrogated. Because we also experienced all when we were at a point where we, it was right before we started interrogating things because we were what, eleven, twelve, thirteen, or something, where, you know, every movie is kind of the best movie because it's the movie we just saw. Right, and it was kind of that point where we were getting to the age where we could see a bad movie now, but and those ones weren't. Um, so I also want to push against that a little bit. <laughs> and I mean, let's and and full disclosure, the Lord of the Rings book and movie alike completely changed the trajectory. Reading it, watching it, falling down that hole, I don't think I would consider. I have, I don't think I considered myself a nerd before it. And I don't think I would even think of taking that away from my identity now without it. So let's move on to our next fantasy film, um, which I chose for this week against my better judgment was Twilight. So let's judge Twilight against Stand By Me. We're talking the first Twilight, or are we talking all? We're talking all three or... trilogy. We're doing it trilogy. Um, it's four and movies. Wait, though, right? You're right. You're right. It's four movies, and it's four books. What am I talking about? Anyway, it's um, forget because is it four books, four movies, four or five books. movies? It's the last four one book, five movies. Oh my god, four, it's four books. books, five movies. So not and a trilogy. Kind of anyway, the fifth book that like never got published because she threw a tantrum about it. Wait, really? Yes, because she was going to rewrite the whole thing from Edward's point of view. They did that. Fifty Shades did that. E.L. James wrote Grey in the past two years, and it was a super success. I don't know why they didn't let her do that. So, no, they let her do that, but then it got leaked on the internet, and she's like, well, fine, I'm just not going to do it anymore. Oh. Mm. Yeah, that was pre-everything like everything just existing on the internet the moment it, it's conceived. Yeah. I just want to explain why I chose Twilight, um, because I don't want anyone thinking that this is by any means something I would you know, choose over Lord of the Rings or something. I chose Twilight because it has cultural influence and it's iconic. And so I thought it needed to reach this week, not because I particularly think that it is the best movie. I think that first one's solid. I really like Twilight, the series. The movies were absolutely insane. Like even like the first one you could look at as being good. By it's the something time you, at least, if not, yeah. if not good. The by the time you like the second one was fine. By the time you get to the third one, it's fucking bonkers, and I actually like it even as a whole better than Stand by Me. I, I think too. Twilight needs to move on. I do too. My votes for Twilight as well. Um, yeah, I think Twilight is not definitely definitely not one of my favorite movies, but it is something that I can easily turn on and watch and enjoy in yeah. like a lighthearted way, which is something I appreciate about it. And I think. 
that it gets a lot of unnecessary shit because it is targeted toward teenage girls. I'll be honest, like, I know that that's a criticism that a lot of people have heard and maybe sometimes dismissed, but I really think that's a lot of it. I really do. Yeah, it's unfortunate the movies aren't great, too, because then it, They're it, not good. it justifies people's shitty opinions that come from a bad place. And they happen to be right, but not for the reasons they say, think they're right. Just because... Right. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. I remember seeing the last one in the theaters, and people were there, and it was it was a midnight showing. I think me and Jen saw it at the same time, but we were in different theaters because we got tickets at the wrong time. So we were in the same the same movie plex or whatever, but we were in different auditoriums. And I remember it's packed, and there's girls, you know, mainly girls, you know, thirteen to to twenty five. And when cheesy shit happened, they were all laughing. But we were all yeah. still there because it was the end of Twilight. And we were all excited mm-hmm. for the end of Twilight. Yeah. And they're laughing the whole time at the corny shit. They're laughing yep. at the weird digital adult baby at the end of it. The digital baby got so many laughs. And that was like release of the film. And people who are yeah. diehards were there and they were still laughing. Oh, yeah. We, we all booed when we released that the big fight was all just a dream. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was in the fourth movie, not the fifth. But yeah, that was such a fucking embarrassment. That sucks. Yeah. It was so much fun to be a part of. Similar to like how growing up and having a Harry Potter book released every year was fun, a fun thing to be a part of. I think if you got over yourself enough and fully leaned into the insanity that was Twilight Mania, mm-hmm. oh, man, it was fun. And I think there's a lot of parallels if you look at Twilight and Stand By Me. So it's young actors who moved on to, to be, if not good, people like them. Shout out to Rami Malek. Rami Malek, Anna Kendrick. He gave us Anna Kendrick. Gave us Miles Teller. Uh, Kristen Stewart. Pattinson is one of the, the better actors out there. Yeah. He was in those movies, truly, too. Um, and I like Kristen Stewart. And people make I fun of her for having an open mouth syndrome or whatever. But I think that her acting in the movies is actually really charming. Like her like stuttering and her open mouthness. It was charming well, it's to not, me. It's not her fault. She's doing what's written on the page perfectly. Yeah. It's just, it and, I think she, and I think she was consistent with her character throughout all the yeah. films. Which yeah. is also impressive. I mean, that's also the the note we had about Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah. That Dakota Johnson was doing something and really having fun with something and making really engaging character choices. Mm. But you can only make so many choices with what's written. It comes down also to nostalgia, which we already talked about. And then soundtracks. Stand By Me is like all like 50s doo-wop yeah. shit or whatever. And then Twilight, that's all... Dumb shit, muse. Uh, Black holes and revelations. The album. <laughs> yeah, and then and then on top of that, reminding me of just that. There's just the baseball scene. The vampires like baseball. Well, it's the American pastime, and uh, there's a thunderstorm coming. It's the only time we can play. You'll see why. <laughs> I don't really like That's the baseball carry it scene. Pretty far. The baseball scene is my least favorite, and I've heard so many people say it's their favorite, and I just can't so get funny. behind it. I can't get it's so it. well filmed. It's so, and I never true. thought about wanting to see like vampires play baseball. So, but that no. is that is interesting oh, to think about, and it is it feels real cheesy, and it's definitely like a Stephanie Meyer choice where you're like, I I think you're a bit of a different person than I, you know. I remember the first time I groaned audibly while reading the last of the Twilight books was in that chapter where she's getting married and they're like talking about how she's listening to White Wedding. Oh. Which is... I didn't know that that happened. Yeah. But that was the first time because the second time was I had... I needed to... I, I have a, a problem with spoilers that if I, if I get into my head that I need to know, I will like dig and dig and dig until I get spoilers. I like and spoilers. I got this with the last Twilight book where I like needed to know what happened before I decided if I was going to buy the book. 
And I found a post on Gaia Online that detailed like oh beat by beat like what was gonna happen in the final Twilight book. And I remember reading it. I'm like, man, this is so dumb. This can't be what happens. I'm gonna get the book. Yeah. Dude, Leah, I gotta share. Okay, with the sixth Harry Potter book, <laughs> I was such a fucking Harry Potter nerd. I-, I read the fifth book first. So when the sixth came out, I was so fucking de- like diehard that I logged online when it had its Australian release <laughs> um, to read before it got into America what happens. And I read the post about how, spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen Harry Potter, <laughs> Snape kills Dumbledore. And I was like, that's a fucking <laughs> Snape definitely does not kill Dumbledore. Um, and he fucking killed Dumbledore. It was such a nuts thing. But I remember I went to the midnight release and I told everyone that I read that and I was like, it's a lie. It's gotta be. There's no way that's real. <laughs> So I spoiled it for everyone. Like, Jesus. I was saying, but imagine all of that frustration you found out when you found out that Snape actually kills Dumbledore. When you find out that, yeah, she is naming that baby Renesme. <laughs> well, I, I didn't mind the name Renesme. Renesme didn't bo- the name didn't bother me, but I think we can all agree it's the cop out of the oh the imprinting. Yeah, that's a bullshit. The imprinting. The imprinting was just like, <laughs> let me just deal with this like sad story for, you know, poor unrequited love with like Jacob. Let me just give him a love interest. Uh, just clean that up with a pretty creepy bow at the end. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. I mean, if that is the case, then have it be somebody else. I don't know. Like, have it be one of Bella's literally, or something. Like, literally anyone else. <laughs> Jesus. Her fucking mother. I don't care. Or let, like, what on earth? Let, let Jacob have a conversation with, like, an elder who's like, oh, I think maybe you can imprint again later. Or something about how, like, <laughs> oh, your, your, your heart lives with all this sorrow for so long, and then someday it, you come out of it. You know, just one thing that you says... Just let him- Honestly, just let it be sad. Let it be sad that he didn't get to be with Bella. It do- he doesn't need a love interest in the end. Like, it was so weird. Like, yeah. anyway, so that that aside, the books, they're fine. But Twilight moves on despite the fact that the movies were bad shit. <laughs> it moves on because the movies are yeah. bad shit. All right, what's next then? All right, so up next, uh, we have my choice of the Boz Lerman Great Gatsby. The music? Oh, it's not a musical. It's not a musical. musical. Uh, Versus the Fantastic Mr. Fox. And I don't know how I feel about this now. I want to say Fantastic Mr. Fox is because I like it so much, but I think that Baz Luhrmann, Great Gatsby, is such a weird rethinking where I don't know if it's bad or it's good, but it makes me uncomfortable, and I'm not sure if that what that means. I'm going to go with Great Gatsby as well, um, not because I... I don't know. Just something about it was so... This sounds dumb to say. Cinematic, in a way I would never have pictured for the book. I don't know. It just did good as a, like, did something good with the source material to make it so cinematic. And I liked it. I thought, even though actually I didn't like the movie, that sounds weird. But (laughs) if we're talking book to movie adaptation, adaptation. Okay. Uh I'm trying to say that word right. Um, (laughs) Adaptation. Adaptation. It did something that was unique and I want to give it credit. Fantastic Mr. Fox also did something unique. Fuck. Um, you can give it credit too. You're not allowed to only give one credit. You just can only Fantastic have one. Mr. Fox quote. for me was actually one of the weaker films that he made, so I'm gonna go with Great Gatsby. I'm going with Fantastic Mr. Fox. So the reason I think I end up going with the Great Gatsby in the uh, end is I think that we will, you know, as much as people are gonna dissect the Great Gatsby forever and ever, I think I spend more time thinking about 
was Leonardo DiCaprio a good choice Mm -hmm. or the only choice play? He wasn't the only choice. He is now. I can't picture anyone else in that role because he embodied that role. Other than other than our our all star cast of The Great Gatsby, in which uh, it's just Owen against Luke Wilson. Oh, that would have been fun. Honestly, Tyrese Gibson. I'm gonna as as Gatsby. Are you just appealing to my love of... You know what, though? I'm actually going to switch my vote because even though I did vote for Gatsby, I don't want it to move forward. Why not? I just want to recognize it and then be like, I recognize it. She gave it, it credit. No, I feel <laughs> weird. I feel like I got to change my vote. You don't have to change your vote. I'm not going to, but... Uh... Yeah. Wow. Upset. Fuck. Honestly, <laughs> neither of these movies should move forward. <laughs> <laughs> my biggest... <laughs> wait, wait, wait. But, but real question... If you don't think either of these movies should move forward, what should move forward instead of them? A Wrinkle in Time. No. <laughs> Just kidding. We fucking trashed that last week. Um, you know what? No, like real talk. What would you what would you pick? Make a case for it doesn't have to be on the list. Make a case for What would you Trek request? Two. Trek two. <laughs> Scott no, Pilgrim. I I'm trying to think of like big things we overlooked. Oh my god. Yeah. We did overlook quite a few. Um, yeah, no, if you pick something. Persepolis. Persepolis is really, really good. Holy shit, Persepolis, Jesse, you gave me the answer. All right, that's it. So neither The Great Gatsby nor The Fantastic Mr. <laughs> Fox wins, and Persepolis moves forward. Persepolis. <laughs> yeah, I like that movie. I'll put it down. Yeah, no, I think that's a great choice. Right. Yeah. That's a write-in choice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Perfect. <laughs> and you... <laughs> Can we actually do that? Yeah, I've already written it down. Yeah, it's no. in the ledger. Okay, okay. Yeah. All right. More, more official than challenge <laughs> is Jesse's notebook, and you know what? They both don't pass, and Persepolis moves on. Persepolis. Anyways, next, heading back into the world of fantasy and fancifuls, we have Howl's Moving Castle versus The Wizard of Oz. There's two very similar movies, like like um. Plot sort of wise, you know. and, yeah, yeah, and like entering sort of like a myth, mythical world. Yeah, simple girl like, leaves hometown to meet a mm, weird group yeah. of weirdos. And like magic world, and then like she has a group, like weird. Yeah, which one do you companions. think did it better? Uh, I think um, Wizard of Oz did it better, but that's I don't know if that's where my vote's going quite yet. I definitely am voting Howl's Moving Castle because I can't even adequately describe how like revolutionary that movie was for me as a like just a audience member like the movie for me just changed how I viewed cartoons which sounds silly but like it was just beautiful and had you read the book at all I Jennifer? loved it I'd never read the book before I'd seen the movie I didn't even know it was an adaptation until much have you later. read it since I tried to <laughs> <laughs> it's like a European book isn't it it's not even it's like British, a yeah. Japanese book yeah it's not Japanese um which is why the film isn't doesn't Feel it feels very, yeah, like Dutch or something weird. It feels like those. But it was just beautiful. And do either of you know if it's, do you know if it's Ghibli or Ghibli? Because that's something I can never get straight in my head. It's Jiggly. Yep. Caliente. <laughs> so Studio Jiggly um, also, just for me, creates films that I just respect on such a high level that, yeah. that's Okay, so I gotta ask, because um, the, the timeline doesn't quite make sense. Oh, because that movie's not that old, so Jen was like twenty-five when this rocked her world. No. Oh, okay. No, we were. I was a teen. Yeah, I was a teen still... in high school when yeah. I first saw it, and I actually watched it. I will tell you this part as well. I watched it 
in sophomore year in my Japanese class, and we watched it in Japanese with English subtitles. But I would have thought, guessed it was before Spirited Away, just if I didn't know what the year on either of them were. Just, just um, like, style-wise. I think it was before Spirited Away. Yeah, it was 2004 as Howl's Moving Castle. Spirited Away was, like, a one or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It came after, I think. So you're telling me that even as much of a weeb as you are, your life was changed by Howl's and not Totoro? Um, I'd never seen Totoro. Oh, I should also explain, this is the first Studio Ghibli film that I'd ever seen. I think that's important, what order you see them in. Oh, yeah. Because I was definitely very, like, you gotta know, like, Jesse knows, you know, actually, as well. I was very sheltered, so, like, or, like, ignorant, grew up under a rock. So, for me, this was my first introduction to non-shitty anime. Yeah, mine was, mine was Mononoke, and then I saw Totoro. Oh, actually, I might have seen part of Mononoke as well, but That's I a good one. didn't understand it. It was, like, above my intelligence level when I first saw yeah. it. <laughs> I was too young. Uh, do you guys know this was up for the Oscar for Best Animated Film? Uh, do you know what it lost against? What? Oh, God. Wallace what? and Gromit, Curse of the Were-Rabbit. God damn it! But the only other nomination that year was what? The Corpse Bride. So you kind of was a lose-lose that year. Yeah. What the... I, I do like Wallace It should have won. So, so I watched House for the first time last week, um, which is weird because one of my best movie friends, Calcifer, is in that movie. <laughs> I like for him to be in every movie. I like that guy an awful lot. So I, I, my vote's for Calcifer. Um, Thank you, But Jay. I didn't like the movie fully. I didn't quite know what it was trying to say, and it felt like there was something lost in the translation. Yes. Because uh, I know that his movies are tough to translate. Like, Princess Mononoke works because... Neil Gaiman translated it, and he was like, he like talked to to Miyazaki to make sure he got the right thing across. And we like watched the making of documentary, and it looked like it was two, like straight up like translators that just made the movie. Yeah, they were doing according to the the making of, they were doing a lot of translating in the recording booth. In the booth, like left it up to like Christian Bale to translate. So it's, I think I lost doing his something Batman there. voice before there was a Batman voice. Maybe it also helps them that I watched that I watched it in Japanese. The knees oh yeah, oh yeah. Probably. Even that would still be ultimately a translation, but should have done that. I mean, yeah. So my vote goes for Wizard of Oz, though. I just I, I like Howl's a lot. I just think it it wasn't quite there. There's some things that were missing, and and then it's hard not to compare it to Spirited Away mm-hmm. because then there's yeah, like Spirited Away does Spirited Away is significantly better. Uh, I will agree with that. But I mean, a lot of the the version that people have seen Spirited Away has a lot of the same um, translation issues as Howl's. Yeah, Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz is very good. Um, yeah, like it is just. But honestly, it fucking terrified me as a child. So, Leah, I think it's your vote is <laughs> no. the, the my decider. Vote is, I would say my vote is for Howl's. Wow. I love the talking about things that make you cry. The weird little gremlin bombs always shake me just all a lot of the anti-war stuff means a lot personally to me and like i said last week i have a i have a really hard time getting behind the wizard of oz when i like all the stuff that has kind of come from the wizard of oz a lot Mm. more than the actual source material so my vote is for howls all right Yes, Leah. Do you remember how how hard I laughed when Turnip had turned into the fanciest lad in the Oh, land? he's the fanciest lad. <laughs> so funny. Calcifer and Mr. Fancy Lad. They're two of my favorite cinematic friends now. Yeah. You know what though? They are they are good friends. I was like, who's my other cinematic friends? And I'm like, Mike Wazowski. But that's just Calcifer. That's the same character, right? Yeah. But <laughs> I like I like thinking of it that way, and now that's how I'm going. <laughs> Always. All right, so our I'm next. I'm gonna scare you. 
Our next one then is <laughs> we'll go with one of Leah's dad's uh, submissions, and that's West Side Story versus Crazy Rich Asians. This one's unfair because they're so they're both so good, but in such different ways for me. Although yeah. they're both well, I rewatched Crazy Rich Asians the, the other night um, because we talked about it, and I got excited again. Yeah. And it's just like, I love that it there's a romance within it, but the focus is really just family, not romance. Yeah, and you know what else you could say about that? You could also say that that's what Fast and the Furious is about. There's a romance that's driving the force of the movie, but it's really about family. But West Side Story is like, West Side Story is just kind of like iconic. I don't want to yeah. give a vote just because something's iconic, though. I guess that's kind of the same thing you were doing with Lord of the Rings, Jesse, where you're interrogating your decision because it's like, hmm, am I just going to give it because it seems obvious? Crazy Rich Asians, Crazy Rich Asians is also kind of newer, and so I, I don't know if it has, like, <laughs> it doesn't have the, um, like, cultural ground that West Side Story has at this time, but, like, in the future, maybe the it will. The of West Side Story is that with a very small handful of exceptions that is an entirely white cast playing brownface. crazy rich asians is full of casting issues the same way not to the extent that yeah. that's something like west side story is it is. no but it made a big I, issue is it no yeah natalie wood is in brownface is not the same at all but crazy rich asians has story, issues you if you get more like granular with it like is so bad and that's not to say that it's it it's still not flawed. Like we talked about, there are things that are flawed, but I think that it made a point to reverse some of the issues that a cultural icon like West Side Story created, and sort of gave a pass to a lot of things after yeah. that. And at least at least Crazy Rich Asians is like their casting is like on the same continent. Natalie Wood, who is Russian, is not Puerto Rican. And then when you have uh, and then you have, what's her name right there? Rita Moreno. Yeah, so either don't even put Rita Moreno in there or make everyone Rita Moreno. Rita Moreno had friends. They could have been the sharks. You know, it's not like yeah. these actors weren't around. Well, and also in in the scenes that she's in, you know, Rita Moreno is like scene stealing. She's fun. She's vibrant. She can dance. She can sing. She can do all of these things. And she's playing the best friend. Yeah. And these are things we have to come to terms with, though, because Breakfast at Tiffany's isn't on this list. But if it was, we'd have to talk about, you know, the Mickey Rooney in the room. Yeah. Because that and I I rewatched Breakfast at Tiffany's and it's not worth it. There was a time when I could watch Breakfast at Tiffany's and ignore the Mickey Rooney stuff and be like, it's still good around that sign of the times. Who knows? But now it's just it's such a it's such a, a dark spot on it. And I think West Side Story, you have to talk about it with it. There's a little bit of just accepting, like, that's how it had to get made. And it's not, it's, but it, there's no excuse for it, the still. But, and it's 2019, and I'm voting in 2019, so I'm voting Crazy Rich Asians. And I think that's okay. Yeah. And my vote goes, it does end up going to West Side Story. Despite its flaws, I think it does pave the way for things later to get made. Yeah. I think when you look at it in the context of, um, like, other major musicals at the time, you know, it doesn't look quite as like like classically polished in the same way like that Carousel or Oklahoma does. Like it does yeah. have, it makes an attempt to show a Broadway version of New York street life, but still a version of street life. Yeah. And, you know, that whole Romeo and Juliet story, it's tacky, but it's enduring. Yeah. So I had never seen the movie. I saw it for the first time this week. 
I listened to the entire cast recording again today at work. And I have to say, West Side Story is one of the best movies. I think it is impressive all the way through it. And the thing about it is also, it's so, so fucking cheesy. You know, like, oh, yeah. this, this snapping thing that dances, yeah. but then there's something so, there's a, there's a foundation to it that is so <laughs> un, uh. Uh, unstabling. That's so uncomfortable. It's so weird. The music has like a weird tone to it. And there's shit that should be straight up fucking stupid. Like that song in the, towards the end after everyone gets stabbed. Oh, be cool boy. Be cool boys. And it's like, this should be the dumbest shit. And in the movie, they're doing like dumb flip kicks and jazz hands. And then it's still so unsettling for some reason. That whole be cool boy scene with them like dancing and like doing these very modern movements should have been unfilmable, but it looks super cool and it's yeah. all together. And when you buy into that, you've bought into it completely. The yeah. Jets, sorry. Natalie Wood's a problem, but it's the rest of it's so good we can overlook it it's not mickey rooney it doesn't it doesn't take so much away from it and i will say i think there's a little bit that thing i'm always gonna be able to forgive natalie wood a little bit because of her strange mysterious death oh yeah whoa wow. <laughs> all right well i'm okay with west side story moving on that doesn't i it's good and so uh i have to go pee so you guys can talk well and i, I think like we were talking about earlier just because we don't put crazy rich forward like we've got like with with the iron giant like i put crazy rich asians kind of in that category with the iron giant where it didn't matter which way it goes that was going to be the hard choice and i think i'm excited and i i i really wonder within myself if it'll change a little bit once we get more of the crazy rich asians movies and we get further into the series because if they can keep up that like high level of fun and energy and keep improving on their casting and their representation, I think that makes it harder to argue with. Also, I just fucking loved the weed of Crazy Rich Asians. What's her name? Something, um... I need to Google that again. But I just loved her. I thought she was so good. Constance Wu. Constance Wu. Aquafina. She's so good. I just 10-10. Really loved her acting. I know. They were all, like... She was so adorable and so related. She had, you know, early Anna Kendrick kind of thing where it was just like everything she said was fun i'm hoping she's gonna have more heavy lifting to do in the next movies because i think she could handle more um so then next we have another one of my dad's choices to kill a mockingbird versus where the wild things are uh and by to kill a mockingbird we don't mean the movie failure to launch right (laughs) god damn it could uh no we mean peck 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 gregory peck gregory peck and then a bunch of other actors who I don't remember right now. And Gregory Peck. Is Robert Duvall, does he play Boo Radley in that movie? The Judge, does he play Boo Radley? Uh, good movies. Both good movies. Wow, what a hot um, take. Yep. I'm going to choose To Kill a Mockingbird. Whoa! Wow. Why, Jen? Because you are a fan of justice. Well, I do love justice and support justice endeavors. Um, That's where she gets all of her tween clothes, her training <laughs> bras and what have you. What? Oh, God. Anyway, um, so honestly, just because Where the Wild Things Are kind of scared me. Yeah. <laughs> this whole fucking, It's uncomfortable, yeah. This whole fucking bracket is gonna be <laughs> which movie scared us the least. <laughs> Why do we pick all the spooky ones? Uh, tough one, I think. If wild, Where the Wild Things Are was up against something else, then I would go for it quicker, but 
think To Kill a Mockingbird is really good. And if you're talking about book-to-movie adaptations, it's kind of one of the gold standards because that book also doesn't have a lot of unfilmable things. So it's really just trying to condense it in a way that doesn't ruin it. Yeah. And I think it does it. So, yeah, it's good. Um, well, not that it matters, but my vote is for Where the Wild Things Are. Oh, why? I it, It's the emotional connection. I think you get to a certain point with To Kill a Mockingbird that it feels too far in the past and too out of touch. It's not telling the same type of story that we're yeah. seeing actually happening today. Not that that should discredit it at all. That's why it's been updated on Broadway. That's right. Aaron Sorkin rewrote it now. Um, but the movie's not Sorkin. So. No. And I think that there's an emotional resonance that I talked about last week with Where the Wild Things Are that is hard to separate within myself. And this is my vote. And so that's why my vote is for... I may have voted... I may have been more apt to vote for Where the Wild Things Are had we not watched Christopher Robin a few days ago. I think that hits a lot of the same beats, a lot of the same sort of painful nostalgias, a lot of the sort of sense memories of childhood without the uncomfortable stuff. And I don't think it's a better movie than Where the Wild Things Are. They're both separate things. They just have things in common. But I think maybe that diluted the waters a little bit for me, truly. Oh, yeah, maybe. All right. Well, Tequila Mockingbird moves on. Tequila Mockingbird. Tequila Mockingbird. I want to introduce the next one because I think it's a fun um, pairing. Brokeback Mountain versus Dracula. Leah, let's, let's, you be, you be a Dracula and I'll be a Dracula and let's, let's do the, um, I I wish I could quit you scene. I wish I could quit you. I could quit you. I wish I could. Wow. Who just defaulted the count? (laughs) Does Dracula have any iconic <laughs> iconic lines that we could emulate in a southern accent? Yeah, a southern accent? Just yeah. name do one true blood line. That's the whole fucking show. <laughs> I am drug you. I was gonna go with Jesse Southern accent. I can't stop doing Bella Lugosi. And I've been like Hold a on, let, Bella. Me, let me see if I can get my southern accent going. Oh. Because it's not southern, it's like I wish North I weren't Dakota. a vampire. No, that's not good enough. <laughs> That's not good enough. Yeah, because it's like Montana. It's like yeah. Montana. The children of the night. What sweet music they make. You should do. <laughs> oh, what about? Can you do Anne Hathaway in that movie? She's got like a real like Texas accent. Oh, she does. You can do NS. You just can't open your mouth all the way. I'm trying to think of another line though. Um. Hmm. I have cross takers. <laughs> what was that one? Oh, it's like what's the line? It's like I have crossed centuries to be with you. Oh, I thought that was a Brokeback line. What? Wait, no. There's no Better. line. Do, wait. Do I wish I knew how to quit you as Tom Waits. What's that one? Oh, it's, is it because he's in Dracula, right? Yeah. Do it as Keanu. I, I, wish, I wish I knew how to quit you. That's kinda, really good. Kind of Tom. Um, I, I, I wish I knew how to quit you. That's a good one. You're good at Keanu. <laughs> Uh, Brokeback Mountain's a close to perfect movie. That's my vote. I love Dracula, but yeah, Brokeback Mountain. Brokeback, Brokeback Mountain sweeps it, man. Like that movie. What was it? That movie I will rewatch sometimes just so that I can cry. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it's a punishing movie. Like it's so punishing. You wait, You keep waiting for something, you know, happy to happen. And it, yeah. And it's the yeah. same when you read the novella. The novella is the same is way, the, it's just unpunishing, and the the language that she wrote the novella in is like just like how Ennis talks. So it's just like oh. just like blunt and it painful. Oh, 
good. So good. Yeah. Well, and especially kind Jack of looking Nasty. ahead at what. Yeah, she calls him Jack Nasty. Yeah. Jack That's Nasty. Jack Chris more like <laughs> Jack Nasty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Brokeback is so sparse and cold but like in a good way and just so well it's cold in a bad way but that's yeah it's yeah it's just so quietly moving i mean they're two different things but i think broke back i just i always will go back well and when you deal with like real emotions you know dracula really is the movie has no like realistic emotions they make it a like timeless through the ages love story which it's it really is and it's a, a guy looking for food and his food is a lady and in the book it's specifically Bram Stoker not dealing with his emotions and writing this book about how slutty he thinks his wife is. Yeah, then I guess it depends. Then if our metric is, is movie better than book, is book better than movie, are they about the same, then movie better than book would be Dracula. Yeah. So if that's where you're voting, you'd go that way. If you were going movie and book about the same, so like Faithful Adaptation, you'd go Brokeback, right? But even, I mean, our metric is none of that. No, yeah. yeah. But I think that my metric my guiding metric is some is emotional resonance and dracula resonates with my my lady bits and brokeback resonates with my heart and soul well leah brokeback resonates with my heart and soul and heath ledger resonates with my lady bits so 10 10 r.i.p in peace man Seriously. I like that performance a lot more than I like the Joker one. Yeah. The Joker yeah. one's hard to contextualize again because that one was the, the first time we'd ever had seen that. And that's a, that's a very good performance too, but oh, I think they're is. both. Ennis both is good. just crazy good character. But anyway. Just heartbreaking. Uh, so then the next one, I think this might have been a Leah vote or is this, was a Clueless versus Devil Wears Prada. Yeah. Clueless based on the novel Push by Sapphire. <laughs> No, it's a uh, Emma, right? Mm-hmm. Which is a uh, it's a Jane Austen. No, Bronte. Uh, it's a, is it a Bronte? Oh, now I'm second guessing myself. Uh, well, I gotta say, for me, Clueless and The Devil Wears Prada are both very like it's they, Jane Austen. We're both dumb dumbs. I said that they fill a, they fill a similar role in society for me, like that kind of just like iconic, relatable. I guess in quotes. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Pause. 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 What's relatable to you? The, the rich valley girl with a Barbie Jeep. What I just mean is the, the, or the, she means the she New York. Means, she means white women. I mean okay. the chick flick. I mean the chick flick. Like the yeah, chick flick, yeah. Uh, genre, which I don't like thinking of things in that genre, but those both fit that for me. Yeah, like that's yeah, because these aren't these aren't rom coms, but they are for the same audience you would write a rom com for. Yeah. Yes, so. For me, I think they're like fairly placed against each other, and it's hard for me to pick. Um, but Meryl Streep, so double word. <laughs> <laughs> they're both movies that I do not remember anything past forty-five minutes into the movie of. I don't remember the end of Devil Wears Prada, and I only remember the end of Clueless because it's Paul Rudd, and it's a little weird. But they're both they're both great. There's a lot in both of them. I think I like well, Clueless Paul- ultimately. I say, do you pick Paul Rudd or Aiden Grenadine? Is that the man in? <laughs> I always forget there's to a dude in the movie. chef boyfriend. That's right. He's- also, the end of Devil is Wears Prada for me, the iconic scene for me, is when she goes for her next job interview. And then they're like, we got a letter from her personally saying you were her biggest disappointment and we'd be fools not to hire you. And my heart's just like soaring like, yes, bitch, you got this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. You don't remember Shane that? Horowitz is fucking life. As a girl that grew up in the valley, yeah. when that movie came out, 
all we wanted to be was Cher. And Cher, that 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 character almost kind of like um, Elle Wood to me is a thing where when I was young and dumber, I thought it was more two dimensional, and then when I rewatch it, I see that there's like actually like something there that I just didn't notice. Not that they weren't doing that I like grew into. I just didn't. I wasn't paying attention to it or something. Yeah. Elle Woods, Regina George, like yeah. Cher sets them all to shame. Yeah. She is the OG. Yeah. Well, and then, and then Brittany Murphy alone in that movie is doing something else. I mean that clueless. If you want to be Donald Faison, Donald Faison. Yeah. If you want to be critical to it, Breck and Meyer, if you want to be critical to it, there's four movies in that movie, but I like them all and it's fine. And characters disappear. Then they come back and there's, Storylines that don't really matter, like when she's on the date with the the gay guy. Mm-hmm. Then he becomes her friend at the end, so it really did matter. And then Dan Hedaya is in there, you know, like oh, or the, the Wallace Shaw stuff where she's ho- hooking up the the teachers, mm-hmm. and it's all great. And you know, it, it might not be the most consistent like forward movie, kind of like Devil Wears Prada has a a, a, a clear narrative propulsion that mm-hmm. Clueless might not have. Well, uh, but I I don't I don't fault it for that. And I mean, to be well, honest, Clueless seems like the clear winner. It's even what I predicted winning. I'm kind of choosing Devil's where Devil Wears Prada to be a bit contrary, to be honest. <laughs> well, and my That's fine. the other reason I like Clueless a little better is we talked about the baggage that comes with Jane Austen text, and now being reminded that it's Jane Austen. You know, it's it's nice to see that subverted in a way that's not mean. It's not yeah. disrespectful to the text, but it's a way of sort of like twisting it just enough that you don't take it as seriously as you might a straight Emma adaptation starring Gwyneth Paltrow. So clueless moving on. So so the next one then, so this is probably thriller versus horror. This is the shining versus gone girl. Oh, and that's the shining, the, the Kubrick one, not the TV movie with Rob Lowe. We've had two Kubricks. Yeah. I mean, it's like Spielberg. These guys just go back to that thing. Yeah. So I think now the shining is, infamously hated by Stephen King. Yeah. I don't know if that sways your vote, Jesse, one way or another, but... I don't care for Stephen King much. I like his things he writes about writing. I think those are fine and kind of interesting sometimes, but I... Uh, the thing about The Shining that he doesn't like, I guess, that I've read recently is that there's supposed to be more about how Jack Nicholson is a dry drunk, which is a person who's sober but doesn't do anything to change the behavior in them that is bad that leads them to drinking. They just don't drink. So they're pretty much just pissed off all the time. And that's kind of like, you know, no fun. All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. It's sort of like just him being a pissed off dry drunk and hating his family because he can't drink. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I think that's what King doesn't like in The Shining is that it's Kubrick goes, it makes it more of like a psychological horror with the whole family. It's a little bit more mystical, I think, than Mm -hmm. maybe the book. I'm not positive, but that book is, uh, the movie's great. Shelley Duvall, Scatman Carruthers. Red Rum. 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 And I don't know why. It's, it's you don't know terrifying. why. It's yeah. terrifying. I think anytime you show, and it's why I like, and I think anytime you show something scary through the eyes of a kid, you can't help but go back to when you were a kid and scared of everything. Um... I watched The Shining really late in life, so it didn't actually it didn't actually scare me, but I thought it was a very good movie, and I'm definitely voting for it. Even though I want to just make it clear that I think Gone Girl is a far superior book and story overall, just way far superior. But 
the movie adaptation in no way beats The Shining for me. Mm. So your vote's for Gone Girl, Jen? No, her vote's for The Shining. But she just said that it doesn't... Oh, wait, I get it. Oh, yeah, the the book is way better than The Shining, but... I got you. The film is way better than Gone Girl's film. Leah, which way did you go? I say I go The Shining. I hard Mm. go The Shining. I think that... Uh, you want to talk about things that like trigger fan fiction in me. It's just watching The Shining and trying to figure out what was happening in the hotel. Yeah. Which I know that's a thing I think Stephen King is going into or has gone into. But like just the endless possibilities of what happened there before for the story. Um, all right. So then the next one we're going to move on is going to be Interview with the Vampire and Silence of the Lambs. Ba-ba, ba-ba-ba-ba. Oh, Leah, Interview with the Vampire was your pick. Why don't yes. you talk us through it a little bit? Okay, so I think that when it comes to successful adaptations, I truly do think Interview with the Vampire is a fairly close adaptation from the book. That being said, there were some casting choices that puzzle me to this day, Antonio Banderas being one of them. Armand does not look like that. Did you say he was a redhead? Uh. He's supposed to look like a Botticelli angel, so like a strawberry blonde, curly baby faced guy. But isn't that kind of an upgrade? Or is his character supposed to be that he's like plain? No, his character is supposed to be in a, a slightly older than Claudia sense that he looks angelic. Oh, okay. So that he's doing all of this heinous, oh, okay. like horrible stuff. And Antonio Banderas does look a little devious sometimes too. So it doesn't, he doesn't really escape that. Regardless of Antonio Banderas, they gave him long, straight black hair. And if that doesn't read devious, then I don't know what they were trying to come across with. You know, he has every goth girl's hair from that era. Got Jared Leto's hair. Yeah. No, he doesn't. That hair is gorgeous. Isn't his hair like really like painfully straight though? Yes, but it's also balayage to to like heaven. My, it's my sister gets his, her hair done like him. Yeah. Have you seen that picture that she uses? She has a picture of his hair because they have like similar colored hair. Yeah, I would yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, I just absolutely love that you just said balayaged. That's so, I love you. I love you so much. My mom always talks about that with my hair. Soft talk for me. <laughs> my mom does that with my hair because um, I can't afford to actually have a hairstylist do it. <laughs> so my mom Hey, that's a... Well, she is a hair but I get it for free from her. Just so everyone knows, my mom is fucking amazing. Anyways, I think Interview with the Vampire is wonderful. I think that Tom Cruise is probably the most solid choice they could have made at that time to play Lestat. Yeah, I know. And he's looking at you. He is. He's like side-eyeing me on that book. It's weird. Guys, I bought a book the other day because it was cheap on Amazon. It was like $2 and it was about, it was about like 10 rolls that like uh, Tom Cruise was in. And I thought it was going to be just like a little pocket sort of just film criticism and it's the size of a textbook like physically it's like 12 inches by nine inches and he bought a, t- a tom cruise textbook we've got this big tom cruise textbook around the house now i like silence of the lambs that movie scared the shit out of me but if you want to talk about movies i will put on when i'm having a bad day that just recenter me i am completely recentered by interview with the vampire i gotta go with the interview with the vampire too i think i remember i like how it looks a lot i like the acting, obviously. I'm a little uncomfortable with the Kirsten Dunst stuff, but I think if I rewatched it now, I would not be uncomfortable. I think I'm just misremembering it. That is supposed to make you uncomfortable. Well, in that case, then it was good, yeah. Yeah, she's supposed to be an old woman in the body of a little girl. Yeah. And I think Kirsten Dunst actually did such a great job of portraying that. I mean, that's her whole thing. Well, yeah. in a way that I, I didn't see, and it, it's a high standard to hold it to, Charles Wallace in... Um, I'm surprised we didn't bring him up more last week because 
That that fucking thing. That kid breaks that goddamn movie. I don't think he was very good, though. No, I don't think. And that's what I'm saying. I think that was that's the linchpin, and I think they dropped it, and you forget that they fucked that up. Yeah, and, and I and my everything. my standard for kids playing adults that look like kids is Kristen Dunst's Claudia. Well, especially in Wrinkle in Time, when there's three child actors, and one the 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 boy is not related, doesn't really have to do anything. She has to stand there. And then the girl kills it. Yeah, she's she super absolutely good. kills it. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's trying to do like young Sheldon. And we're like, we all know who young Sheldon is. And you're not doing young Sheldon. <laughs> yeah. Jen, what's your vote for young Sheldon or for, for old Sheldon? Buzzing. Uh, so honestly, I think Silence of the Lambs, because I watched it so late in the game and didn't get into it early enough. I thought it was so overrated. So yeah, Interview with Vampire. Oh, wow. Wow. Jesse? Mine was for Interview too. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the next is going to be a uh, matchup from that Jesse literally just introduced me to. We finished watching the movie <laughs> right before we sat down to record. I was afraid Jen hadn't seen it, so I wanted at least one of us to see it. And that is Ghost World <laughs> against uh, The Princess Bride. Jen, have you seen Ghost World? I just Googled it to see if I have seen it. <laughs> and... Go on. Uh, let's see. It's a Sing. black comedy film directed by Terry Swigoff. Is that correct? Swigoff? Swigoff? Is that really his last name? Um, so no, I have not seen this, I don't think, because I definitely don't recognize this. So I read the comic book last night. I watched the movie today. And I'm trying to figure out how I didn't know about this before, because... I have seen this! Because <laughs> I just saw the picture what? of her with the Batgirl mask on. You've seen that movie? Or Catgirl. Batgirl. What the fuck is her name? Something, yeah. Thor Birch, yeah. Enid. Enid Coleslaw. So if we were talking about, like, you know, your pick, Leah's pick was a movie that was important to her as a budding child, teenager or whatever. Um, Dracula was too. This movie, along with, you know, Lost in Translation, Reality Bites, a lot of other movies of the same genre were really how I tried to, or Rushmore, that I tried to sort of, I don't know if I tried to pattern my behavior after it, or I saw that it was already doing a thing I was already doing as well. If it was reflecting back something in me that was already there, or I went, oh, I like that, let me try to do that. Uh, it was it came to me in a very transient stage, you know, when you're 12, 13, 14, and you're trying to figure out what you want to do. Well, that's why I was surprised I didn't know about it, because my first thought, my first statement to you after I read it is like, you know, this reads like, clerks and empire records you know high fidelity in a lot of ways like things that i really just that really like clicked with and this was another referential sarcastic yeah but it's all those things without the pop culture references or as many pop culture references and it's girls yeah which is not i know it's written by a guy and directed by a guy and all that but even just it being a woman except for reality bites i think that's the only time i i ever see it from a female perspective and in the movie there's an awful lot of like wish fulfillment. It does seem like like what if there was a woman like this that would talk to me? You know, yeah. But that's that's well and truly like that's that's the movie is kind of the reason I go back to the Princess Bride as my choice rather than Ghost World. I think if I were judging it just on the comic book, I would have said Ghost World all the way. But I really don't like the direction the movie takes with it. I think it's a little weird that she ends up having a relationship with the Seymour character instead of having those moments with Josh 
But I think that having that regrettable sexual encounter with someone that she's friends with, who's then also interested in her friend, like, I think that's more of a, you know, the trials and tribulations of growing up where sleeping with Steve Buscemi because he now has a girlfriend as an adult is weird. What do you think, Jen? Uh, So I don't remember Ghost World super well. So I watched the trailer just now as you were talking. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, just to remember it. And I I do remember feeling unsettled by it, but in a way where I was entertained, but all, but also unsettled at the same time. In a way, it's hard to describe, but it captured mm-hmm. something. I agree with you, Jesse. Captured something unique. But I still think I'm going to choose Princess Bride because I can actually remember the film. <laughs> that makes sense. Well, and to be fair, I walked away toward the end of the movie and then asked Jesse, "How do you remember the movie?" And he's like, "It's still going." <laughs> You walked away, though, at the end of the movie, to be fair. so There was, like, three minutes left. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, if you you if you if were urged to walk away from the movie at the end of the movie, then that's not really a fault of the movie. It did what it was supposed to do. That's the end. But then it didn't end. It had one more scene for two minutes with no dialogue. Also, I'm defending Return of the King in the same breath as this, so. Return of the King? Yeah, which has six endings. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I just think, I just, it, it, this list is so, sometimes, guys, we gotta see movies that aren't a genre. Sometimes they could just be drama or comedy, and they could be about people that don't have magical powers talking to each other about their problems. They don't always have to be something magical happening somewhere magical. I definitely agree with you there. I feel like I'm forced to be the person that has to go against genre films, because there's We're talking whole about, genre. that like Brokeback Mountain... To kill a mockingbird. Yeah, Brooklyn Mountain squarely defeated Dracula. Yeah. That's like two of the, like, 30, though. <laughs> so, but that's the thing is my vote isn't necessarily against Ghost World. I just think that it didn't, the movie didn't stick the landing for me. I think that the comic book really did stick the landing. Mm-hmm. Also, to be honest, I don't really remember Princess Bride being very magical, but now that I think back to it, it was, but it's funny because I don't. Think about that. Those are whimsical, I guess, and magical. Yeah. There is two witches in that movie. Yeah, that's actually they are true. married. I just don't think about those elements very often, but I guess they're there witches, are... right? And they're played by I know it's it's Crystal and uh Mike Wazowski name... and Brad Lillian. Yeah, I think it's just a movie that that I watched a lot as a kid, and I now watching it now too. It's so there's no plot. It's just here's a scene, here's a scene, here's a scene, and I like. I like that because I think it does sustain itself, and that's a hard thing to sustain sometimes. Yeah, that's actually a really valid thing to give it credit for. That's definitely... Yeah, I think they should have given uh, Scarlett Johansson more to do in that movie. Too. All right, so the final matchup. Who wants to announce it? Jessica, what do you say? So it's The Godfather versus Gone with the Wind. 2G movies. This is uh, The Godfather was your father's pick, right, Leah? Gone with the Wind was Jennifer's pick. Y'all wanted Gone with the Wind to beat Girl with a Dragon Tattoo, so... And you know what? Now, I don't want Girl Gone with the Wind to win. Neither I just do don't have, I. I just don't have time to watch it. Um, <laughs> fair enough. I have watched it. Um, and you know what? I'm going to take that time to watch a movie. I'm going to rewatch The Godfather. I just, yeah, I think The Godfather is just more impactful. Impactful? Is that a fucking word, even? Well, what do you mean? Yeah, it, it is, but what are you trying to say? I just think after you watch it, you're affected. You're like Im- deeply emotionally affected, and like, uh, you know, if you were to leave the theater, you'd be 
in a daze and need to like really think and talk about it. Or That's if true. you watch Gone with the Wind, you're kind of like, that was a movie. Frankly, but I don't give a damn. Sorry, that was not a very good Marlon Brando. <laughs> oh, that's what you were doing. That was good then, yeah. It was not. It was fine. It was usable. Uh, I just watched The Godfather for the first time this year. I think it's it's good. I haven't seen the second one yet, but I think it's really good. I think it's weird what Coppola decides to put in there and leave out for a movie that is very full of things. You know, the, the first two and a half hours, he's it feels like he's very much describing like almost every day in the life of this family. And then Al Pacino runs off to Italy in the next scene. It's then like two years later and he's a totally different character. And so it's just like, you took all of this time to show us him moving day to day. And then he's got a character change off screen. He's got a character change off screen and then he comes back and has another character change again. Does that, does the flashback, is that explained in the second one? His two years in Italy or is it not? Not really. I mean, it's fine if it's not. I just, and I think it's still, the movie still works. It doesn't detract anything. I think it's just the, 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 the movie, if you want to be critical of the Godfather, it, it has some, not even pacing issues. It's just kind of like psychological pacing, pacing issues. Well, I always kind of took it as a, while you see it from within the family, it's very much the story that everyone outside of the family yeah. tells. So that's why there's always these missing pieces. That there's makes some things that you know everything about, or you know the whole you know, elaborate story about, but you don't know, no one really knows what happened to Michael. So it. Well, yeah. and I think there's also, and maybe it's watching it now too, the movie is so much about masculinity and about when you decide to turn off and turn on these emotions and what that means and how family can impact that, be it your physical family or the family at large that you would go to, to Olive Garden with, you know, because um, when you're there, your family. Um, God damn it, Jesse. God damn it. Somebody, I was wondering what that was about. Somebody threw something at the wall when I said that. Pasta nachos. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> and so maybe that makes sense because I don't know if Michael would know why he's hardening because he's supposed to be so like, because he is, he is like sensitive at the beginning of the movie. And then he like literally gets that beaten out of him by his family. Like you yeah. can't do that. You have to be hard. And I think he struggles with it. So maybe seeing him do that off screen, it's because he's not aware he's doing it. Yeah, I like that movie a lot. I think far and away, that's my choice over Gone with the Wind. And for Jen, it's because it, it's iconic. Not because it's iconic, but because it's it really did like emotionally affect me when I watched it. Yeah. Yeah, welcome all y'all to being Italian. And everyone thinks <laughs> this is what my family is like. Guys, that was the last uh, the last, the last for the day, For the week. For the day. For, for the, the week. day. So next week, we're actually, we'll have a little bit more room to breathe. We'll have one, two, three, four, five matchups as opposed to five. the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight matchups. There we go. Uh, as opposed to the 16 that yep. we did this week and the week before. So we'll have a little bit more room to let this stuff breathe, let these decisions linger with us, explore some more things, uh, maybe listen from some some guests. Yeah, see so if we can get other voices in on this podcast. Yeah. Um, so the people going on to the next round are 2001, A Space Odyssey, Blade Runner, Lord of the Rings, Howl's Moving Castle, West Side Story, The Twilight Saga, Clueless, The Princess Bride, The Godfather, Interview with a Vampire, The Shining, Brokeback Mountain, To Kill a Mockingbird, Persepolis, Shrek, <laughs> and Pride and Prejudice. So we get to look forward to those matchups and see where those fit on your bracket, where Persepolis comes in on your votes. 
Surprise, bitches. Pow, pow, pow. Persepolis out of fucking nowhere. It's a good movie. It is. It is. I'm upset I didn't think of it before. It's a good book, too. It's a good book. It's half a good book. (laughs) Persepolis 1 is really good. Save it for next week. Persepolis 2 is about Marjane getting a boyfriend. That's it. Is it really? Oh, I remember that. I remember that. And I remember her German boyfriend being gross. Yeah, that's pretty much all it is in the second half. But All right, well. So we don't have anything that's making us sweat this week, except for what's going to happen in the tournament next week. Yeah, I know, I'm sweating it. Got a lot of money on the line. Do you? Yeah. Where's the betting going on for this? Uh, Don't worry. You don't want to know. Whoa. It's between me and the family. <laughs> Jesse. The Olive Garden family? You don't want to wake up with my head in your bed. Oh, God. Again, the Godfather. I do wake up with your head in my bed. It's just still attached to your body. TMI, Leah. TMI. We share a bed. That's <laughs> TMI. Anyways, just kidding. Um, all right, you guys. Well, thank you for. Don't worry, Jen. We'll have a small boy child that you can imprint on. Disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> this is the truth, though. Um, Anyways, all right. That's somebody wrap it for this, this up. week of the right sweats. Um. Yeah, I, I'm gonna. I'm going to leave and I'm going to go read Ghost World because I fucking didn't even know that that was an adaptation. So I'm ready to read that. You're in for a solid 35 minutes of reading a graphic novel because it runs fast. Anyways, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can check us out at rightsweats.com or on Facebook and Instagram as rightsweats. And until next week, keep on climbing those mountains of madness. We'll come back. We're going to end it on your thing. I didn't think so. See ya. Bye.